From CITI Program, I'm Darren Gaddis, and this is On Campus. Today, how to approach advising for graduate and doctoral students. What are challenges to advising graduate and doctoral students from non-traditional backgrounds? And how faculty can better prepare themselves to advise students with backgrounds different than their own. I spoke with Tamara Bertrand Jones, Associate Professor of Higher Education and Associate Director for the Center for Post-Secondary Success at Florida State University. She uses qualitative methods and critical and feminist theories to examine educational and professional experiences of underrepresented populations in academia. As a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not intended to provide legal advice or guidance. You should consult with your organization's attorneys if you have questions or concerns about relevant laws and regulations discussed in this podcast. Additionally, the views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the presenter and do not represent the views of their employer. Hi, Tamara. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. To help us ground today's conversation, how has the college student population changed in recent years, specifically among graduate and doctoral students? In the last 10 years, the number of doctoral degrees and master's degrees conferred to students increased by 22%. Within the last year, as it relates to diverse students related to race, about there's been an increase in the number of diverse students who have um, who are first time enrollees in graduate school. And we've seen these increases across the board with American Indian or Alaska Native students with their increase about 9%. Black and African American students increased 16%. And Latinx students increased about 20%. So between fall 2019 and fall 2020. Women have also increased about 5% in graduate enrollment. And so with these increases, I think there's an opportunity for institutions, individual faculties to better support these students. A lot of times with the ways that the student population changes, our faculty or our ways of engaging students don't change. So I think these increases in enrollment across populations provide us an opportunity to reconsider some of our practices. And since today's conversation is all about advising both graduate and doctoral students, would you be willing to share your personal approach to advising both graduate and doctoral students before we kind of jump further into our conversation today? I like to think of my approach as a culturally responsive approach that's largely grounded in culturally relevant pedagogy, which um, scholars like Gloria Latson-Billings and Geneva Gay and others have written about these ideas in K through 12 education. And at the core of culturally relevant or culturally sustaining pedagogy or culturally responsive pedagogy is an understanding of who your students are and using that understanding to inform your pedagogy. And so for me, part of that includes making sure that I understand who my students are, that I have a a clear 
picture of where they come from and where they like to go. And how do I incorporate their cultural ways of communicating? How do I incorporate my cultural ways of communicating with them? How do we engage in an intimate relationship? And when I say intimate, I don't mean in a in, in an appropriate way, but thinking about if you have someone that you care about, you engage with them in a slightly different way as compared to someone who you you don't know really or you don't fully are are not supportive of. And so I try to use these ideas of understanding who my students are to ground my relationships with them. How do you advise students from diverse or non-traditional student backgrounds? Part of it is remembering that students are people. Our students come to us having lived life before they decide to pursue graduate education. And with that understanding that they have perspectives and uh, opinions and experiences that have shaped who they are. So at a core is understanding who those students are and what their previous experiences have been and how that does shape their expectations or their perspectives or even their future plans or future goals. So I think part of that is getting to know the students and developing that meaningful and substantive relationship with them. So I usually start with telling them about me or telling my story and always including personal tidbits and fun facts that uh, sometimes I think professors might seem or might deem inappropriate or personal. And I think that there's a there's definitely a fine line in this, but that usually helps us get beyond the sort of typical, tell me about yourself on a resume or facts that they've, we've read about each other, but really don't know what that means. What drove me to pursue a doctorate? What What's driving my students to pursue this degree? What goals or desires do they have? And how can I help them to meet those goals or desires? I, I was listening to a, an interview recently with someone that I follow on social media. And she talked about moving to another country and part of the education interviews that she was doing to find her daughter a school. They asked her, what's your family project? That question resonated with me because it, for many first-generation students, for many underrepresented students, the degrees that they're pursuing um, have meaning outside of themselves. They are doing these things, yes, because they desire to. They're getting these master's or doctoral degrees because they want to further their education and they want to improve their professional development. But at a core of taking these steps is they want to change their families. They want to change their families economically or aspirationally. And so thinking about or even asking students now, what's your family project? What is it? What's the reason why you are pursuing this degree? And how does that relate to not just you, but future generations? And I think that's a really powerful question, one, to get students to to answer or to consider. And then also for those that already have considered that and are able to articulate that response to me, then it helps us to understand why they're pursuing this degree or if not, gives them something to think about that might be bigger than themselves. And for me, that's that helps to guide 
or helps explain as well as guide student choices as they move forward. So if your goal is to is to become a faculty member, then my advice is different for those that choose to say, for instance, become an administrator at a higher education institution versus those that may even want to go into private industry. So all of those things, I think, are grounded in understanding students and understanding them at a at a deeper level than I think we sometimes pursue our relationships with them. What are some challenges students from differing backgrounds might face compared to what is often referred to as the quote-unquote traditional student? I think imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon is one of the experiences that I, regardless of students' backgrounds, that they have, have talked to me about experiencing in graduate education. And I think it's that combination of a new and challenging educational environment for many students, depending on the institution types they came from and the institution types they pursue their graduate degrees at, there may be some difference in those environments. And so that environmental change can spark this these questions about your confidence or your competence. That self-doubt, that questioning, I think is Usually, unfortunately, it's common in the doctoral program, but I think that's exacerbated for students who are not considered traditional students who might have some additional considerations as they're making choices or decisions about their degree programs and their future plans. So I I think it's that psychological and that those challenges can often turn into physical challenges that can often manifest as sickness or mental health disease or fatigue or stress or other detrimental health effects that also in turn affect their academic and their professional performance. And so helping students to understand that what they're experiencing is is normal, quote unquote normal. And what are some of those ways that we can help them to manage their experiences in a better way or connect them with folks who have similar shared lived experiences. And I think that can also be a challenge for um, students who who aren't considered traditional students is finding someone who has a shared lived experience or who values the shared, the lived experience that they're bringing to their degrees. And when they're unable to find that, then the isolation, the imposter syndrome, all of those things just continue to fester and can serve as deterrence from our students for our students from completing their degrees. What resources are available at your institution for students from differing backgrounds as they go through their graduate or doctoral program? I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I don't think that this is a normal part of the conversation we have around advising. Advising in many institutions or many programs centers on the academic decisions that students make. What sort of advice can we ensure that they have in order to complete their degrees? And because of the current political climate, as well as our desire to treat everyone equal, we don't like to take into consideration diversity. And when I say diversity, I mean literal diversity in the sense of difference. And so as a result of that, we try to advise all students in the same way. 
And while I agree, there's certain information that student, all students need access to. And we, we want to make sure that there are not inequities in the access to information or the ability to apply that information or opportunities but how students process that information can be different. The ways that they engage with different faculty members or different staff or even engage with different students. I I don't think acknowledging that there are differences that contributes to inequity. Wanting to acknowledge that students do have different experiences requires us to then create resources for that. And in many institutions, there are definitely racial or ethnic graduate student organizations or uh, undergraduate organizations that are accessible to graduate students. Accessible to all students are mental health resources or fellowship and graduate award assistance in locating or applying for, for these awards. And so I think the question to ask ourselves is, what do these students need to be successful? And what resources can we repurpose to make sure that all of our students are accessing them so that they can be successful? I don't know if we ask that question. We typically connect students with the current resources and sometimes their gaps in those resources meeting their needs versus us creating new things or repurposing current things, current programs, initiatives, or resources to better meet students' needs. Tamara, in your opinion, how can faculty members better prepare to advise students who have backgrounds which different from their own? Continue to get to know yourself. Do your own work. (laughs) Do your own homework, I like to say. Be honest about what you don't know. And then create a plan for learning it to be able to better relate to and connect with your students. I began advising several women from China and I didn't know much about Chinese culture or about Chinese history. And so I had to understand how I wanted a very relational sort of flat, if you will, not very hierarchical relationship with my students. And that was not part of the culture, part of her educational upbringing. And so she had to explain to me, this that you want is not how we're taught, (laughs) how I was taught to relate to you. And so there's going to be some, you got to give me some time to get used to this type of relationship that you want to have. It was something that she had to educate me on. And then I had to do my own homework and learn more about her culture and her experience so that it can improve our relationship. And I think she saw my willingness to learn as an opportunity or and as an example of how I cared about her. I would encourage faculty to consider figuring out what are those blind spots that they have and then create a plan for understanding, for learning. Just because we don't share similar lived experiences with our students, there may be ways of communicating or examples that you use or even attitudes that we have about work or life or even money that can distance us from our students who are different than us. And so understanding where students are coming from, what again, lived experiences they've had helps us to be able to better relate to them. And then that in turn influences positively their retention. It helps them to matriculate because they feel included. 
they feel seen and heard, or at least have an advisor that is willing to do that work. I would encourage faculty to start there. What don't you know? And set about learning, learning more to be able to relate to and be more responsive to your students. What else should we know about advising graduate and doctoral students who have different backgrounds than our own? That diverse students are not a monolith. And even within racial or ethnic groups, that there's difference in that there's nuance to the personal, to the lived experiences that students who identify as, as a part of those groups that they have. So as a part of our work, it's yes, learning about in general, these populations, these diverse populations, but it's also, again, connecting with your students on an individual level to, to learn about how their experience compares with what you may have learned in, your own, in doing your own homework about the broader culture So just recognizing that not everyone that identifies or is a part of an underrepresented or a marginalized, minoritized population has the same experience as what might be generally communicated about that group. Tamara, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Be sure to follow, like, and subscribe to On Campus with CITI program to stay in the know. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might also enjoy CITI Program's other podcasts on tech ethics and on research. You can listen to all of CITI Program's podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other streaming services. I also invite you to review our content offerings regularly as we are continually adding new courses, subscriptions, and webinars that may be of interest to you like CITI Program's new Environmental Health and Safety Subscription. The Environmental Health and Safety Subscription provides organizations with key content areas related to health and safety. All of our content is available to you anytime through organizational and individual subscriptions. You may also be interested in CITI Program's Conflict Management course. Please visit the CITI Program's website to learn more about all of our offerings.